Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer, the host of Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai, where we're going to talk about the Japanese concept of Ikigai or living a life of purpose. Here you're going to hear inspirational stories from all different types of people who are finding their own life of purpose. You're going to hear about how they found their Ikigai and what they do every day to live an integrated life. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai podcast and YouTube channel and all types of different media where you can find this. And I'm very, very excited today to have my wonderful guest, one of my first bosses that I worked for in Japan from a long, long time ago. I'm really glad he left because I got to get his job. It's the wonderful Dr. David Sweet. So I'm going to read David's bio to you now. Let me find it on my page because it's quite multifaceted and I want to make sure I get this all. So Dr. David Sweet is an author, poet, entrepreneur, executive coach, and runaholic. In the Sweet Success series, his books include, books plural, please note, Sweet Success, Sweet Sales, and Recruit, with an exclamation point. Exclamation point. Yes. And his poetry, so he's not just writing business books, include Pop Rocks and Split Infinity Forward. He lives in Tokyo with his wife, Sons Fish, I'm going to pronounce as David does, ukuleles, and a wide, wide collection of running shoes. And we have recently reconnected very strongly through our shared love of Shakespeare. And uh, every other Saturday morning, David is running an amazing Shakespeare reading group called uh, Shakespeare on Saturdays. Shakespeare? Shakespeare? What's it called? Anyway, something. Shakespeare's. Sure, Um, although it's Friday for our friends in the US, (laughs) Sunday for us in uh, in Japan. And um, I really wanted David to come on because as you could hear from uh, his bio, he's like this Renaissance man who does all of these different things and does all of these different things like ridiculously well. Uh, So you you might end up actually coming away from this going, oh, well, hang on, like I can run 4k but David is like running marathons in sub three maybe are you a sub I'm working on it working on it working on it you definitely a sub four right yeah um and you know writing poetry not just reading poetry and all of Mm. these different things um and running a business and raising a family and living in a foreign country like oh just too much stuff so is that big enough have I built you up enough now yeah now I'm just going to sit here and gloat (laughs) <laughs> how wonderful how wonderful about, about all of these things um uh however you did express a little bit of like when I asked you to be on the podcast like I don't oh. really know anything about ikigai mm. um but from your understanding of what ikigai is what is your ikigai Dr. David Sweet oh so my ikigai I was asking my wife what ikigai was uh before we started so that I I made sure I understood it and she said uh so ikigai is it's your passion so that's uh, what what gets you going in the morning really i said well it's you dear and she's like that's the right answer so officially that is my ikigai Jen, and that's my answer and i'm going to stick to it right that's great and your wife is japanese right she's japanese we've been married 25 years this year and we met um Eight years prior to that, we met um, in Germany at a castle, and um, I stalked her all day. And then getting finally, a bit less romantic, but go on. Get less romantic, and then uh, I, I talked to her for about uh, ten minutes before we got back on the tour bus. We exchanged addresses. Oh wow! Got on the tour bus and lost my camera, or it was stolen, or whatever. But when I got back to the U.S., I wrote her and said would you send me some pictures? And she did. And we wrote letters back and forth for eight years. Oh my goodness. And then after, after eight years, I, I came to Japan for a couple of weeks. We fell in love and the next year she moved to the US and we got married. Wow. And uh, yeah, so 25 years later, here, here I am still. Right. And in that time, so you've also, you went back to the US for a while and then now based back in yep. Japan. So that, yeah, that was, um, I left and you took my job when I went yes, back to the thanks. U.S. And I, um, I started a company in the U.S. training salespeople and recruiters and was doing a lot of work in Japan. We had uh, 
because my background's in education anyway, right? In, in training, I did that with the U.S. government for 10 years. And so it seemed like, like something I wanted to do in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and then Lehman shock happened and no one wanted to really buy training. And so <laughs> you don't any money. I was like, okay, I'll come back to Japan and do recruitment. And that's where I'm at. Uh, now it's been 13 years and been running Focus Core for 10 years. Yeah, you just celebrated your anniversary, right? Yeah, very exciting. With some very, very cool people. I was glad to see Jalfsi. Yes. Always love to see see his uh, his smiling face. It's good there. So um so your ikigai is your wife. So this is very important to have a yes. an object of ikigai. Um but I very much feel like there's not just one mm. one object of ikigai. There's a possibility to have many different things that get you out of bed in the morning. Um, and to give you this sort of reason, reason for being. So any, any other things in your list? Oh, long list, right? Um, so um, I, I wrote Sweet Success about arite, which is a Greek term, which almost could uh, be translated as Japanese ikigai. And I started thinking Ooh. about it. it. It means excellence and, and personal excellence. And it came through the Greeks. Um, the, it used to be like that prowess of soldiering in the Iliad. And then it came to be more of just that spiritual excellence and, and then body, mind, and soul kind of excellence. And so always kind of striving for excellence. And, and I think part of that striving for excellence is what wakes me up in the morning. And, yeah. and that. And that falls into one of the things I love learning and uh, education is, is very important. And um, I had a, I've had a few wonderful mentors, but one of the commonalities that my mentors have always shared with me was uh, best summed up in um, the parable of the talents. Do you remember that in the no. Sunday school? It's a old Bible study Sunday school where uh, a man gives his sons, he's got three sons, talents, uh, coins, and uh, each one gets a coin and one comes back. They all then go out and one son goes and spends it and buys something and someone invests it and make more money and one son buried it and uh, came back with nothing and the father said, get out or banished him or something very horrible. Anyway, the point of the story was that uh, I think that we're given talents and we're given individual unique talents. And that's why we're here. And my mentors always have strongly um, suggested that we all have these talents and we have to use them. And it is um, a detriment to humanity if we don't. Well, um, body goosebumps. Oh, I got goosies. Yay, nice. I love it, love it. The detriment to humanity if you don't. I remember a while back I had a note on my uh, my whiteboard here, which is like, people are waiting to hear from you. Oh. It was like, don't don't hide your talent, don't hide your message, um, get it out there, share it. They might not know they're waiting to hear from you, and they might not like it when they hear it, but but people are waiting to hear from you. So I love that. So. Yeah. With these talents, so how, what are your talents? It's very, you, you're a recruiter, so you're always doing interview prep with people. What, what are your talents and how did you discover them? Um, Tell um, me why I should hire you for this job, yeah, Dr. Sweet. We, we always talked, you we were talking last week. It's a really about uncomfortable what, what about, question to be asked, isn't it? Those we were talking candidates. about superpowers. What are your yeah, superpowers? superpowers. Why, why are you, I like the, um, Let's ask that one instead then. But uh, I do think, Teaching is one of my talents. That's one of the things that I'm passionate about. I love doing it. And, and that includes myself. And that's the, the challenge of, of learning and, and then teaching others. And it, there's just a great joy in it. So I think that's probably my biggest talent. Yeah. And no matter, I've had a lot of jobs um, and they still are around teaching. So. Mm. To me, when I do recruitment, to me, it's still about going out and teaching with a client and a candidate. Um, for me, poetry also is very much about um, 
tapping into the muse and, and bringing that out and, and giving that to humanity. And the same with, you know, writing books or whatever that is. So to me, a lot of it just revolves around teaching, I think is very teaching. important to me. Mm, I love that. And, and was there a, you mentioned in like the, the, the prep document, right? Like it was a, a gradual kind of awakening like understanding mm. this, Did, are there any points in your life where you you feel like you had a an aha, or this is the point where I feel like I can say clearly about? Obviously, we had the wife icky guy. We we know that, <laughs> but um, around the teaching icky guy, like where where did that maybe start to crystallize that you were able to express it? Um, that's a great question because. I've been thinking a lot about this and whether there's an aha or it's a gradual, for me, it's just always because it changes, right? And shifts mm. and it's malleable throughout time. It's not just one thing. I mean, we, we change as we go. Um, are there ahas I've had? Some, but it's, it's just, you just kind of know where you're in the right place or you're in flow and, and you just feel it going. That's, that's more of what I feel. And sometimes I'm not in flow and things just feel off. And I know that's okay too, mm. that that's part of the flow and the gradual changing and shifting of seas to get to where I need to be. Um, uh, I mean, I, when I was, uh, we moved, I, my first company, I went bankrupt and, and lost everything. Right. And that was um, quite a challenge. But at the end of it, it, even going through, it wasn't that it was a gradual shifting of knowing where I needed to be and where I needed to go. So it's never really been a, a kind of aha uh, thing. That um, is actually a correct answer, according to Ken Moggy. And uh, in his book, uh, The Little Book of Ikigai, he says there won't be a loud fanfare. It's just going to be a gradual, um, like, unveiling. I can't remember his exact wording. I'll have to go find the quote if I'm going to quote him. But, uh, yeah, he, he says it's, uh, you know, you're already hit um, intuitions. You're already held intuitions will sort of reveal themselves. I shall have to find this and put it in the show notes. But uh, it's oh. one of my favorite things. Um, and that it's actually, you know, the, this idea that it will come in a flash of light or even an, a, a simple aha, like those eureka moments won't happen, but you'll just, it, it's hard to express this sort of feeling of like, oh, this is, this feels right. This feels aligned. This feels integrated. I'm happy to be here. I would, I would highlight the word you used as intuitive. Uh, mm. intu I think that's it's a huge thing. We we um, it's so easy now to put so much into goals and and kind of left brain order and try to push things through when sometimes it's just you just scrap it and you just go fly by the seat of your pants and that's what's fun and it gives you a rush and a passion and and really at the end of the day, we'll push you through to where you need to be. What's the last thing that you did, um, keeping it PG-13, um, what's the last thing that you did where you felt that like intuition to action thing? Like, let's um, just do it. Right now. <laughs> right now. I, I have, let's do it right now. The unveiling. I'm very excited about this. Oh my goodness. Oh, I've been waiting. I know what this is. Oh, I'm very excited. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Thank you. Look at that. Can Giraffe Swim by Jennifer Shimpakai. I'm so, so proud of you. This is wonderful. Thank you. Very excited about that. That's inspired. There she is. My thank you, Tia. Oh. Hey, good for that wonderful author shot. Yeah, like this. Isn't is that exciting? I was, I was so last night. I was just, I couldn't sleep. I was so excited to get this and to be able to share that and open that with you. And Aww. yeah, we're in lockdown, but we could do this together. And how, how cool is that? That's, that's what's, that's what's exciting. It's, a, it's, 
things like that. It doesn't need to be big things. It could be. Oh, that's so cool. Things, right? Yes. Yeah. And, um, and, and even like that, you know, for, for me, that book was one of those just like, yeah, let's just do it. It wasn't a plan. It wasn't anything that was on my like, I will become a children's author or anything like that. But it's been absolutely joyful mm. process with no limitations because I had no expectations. Um, and yeah, it has sort of given me a reason to get out of bed like getting up and like going to this art class and then like trying to find someone on Fiverr who can do the design, but it was, but it was also very effortless. Which was yeah, not expectations are another one. That's uh, it's the intuition expectations, get rid of expectations. It's um, it helps in dealing with people. It helps in dealing with events. It's just, you go in and enjoy it with very few expectations, if any, and mm. you won't be disappointed and it's fun. Yeah, I like that. And and because you've worked in recruitment for, for so many years, and I think always feel like that is an industry which is filled with, you know, candidates and, and, and clients who are in a way sort of searching for their ikigai and, and candidates especially. Mm. So when you, you've seen thousands of people right through your career, um, when you see those people who have this intuitive ikigai you can feel that like alignment in them what are some of the things you observe notice in those people that are aligned mm. or uh, actually people who are out of whack like what do you notice with that as well like don't do this <laughs> i think they're they're polar opposites right because the one the people that are aligned you just feel it they they're in tune they know what they have what's what they're working with they they feel comfortable in their skin even though they may not be able to express it mm. and verbalize around it but you can see that certain confidence as they're moving through um they speak positively i think there's a, another big one where people are tend to be in in the zone and they're in their ikigai and then people that are just outside of it and that are broken on the flip side of this mm. are are the ones that which you've seen in recruitment too yeah. people that have been battered and told no so often that they begin to believe it mm. um, and those people or that just fate has been kind of cruel to them they've lost a job and They've, maybe their spouse has trouble with them and all kinds of other things are going on. Um, that, that can really be a, a challenge as well. And, yeah. and, and then to be told no and no and no, no again when they're trying to apply for jobs, you start to believe that you're no good. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's... Um... That internal compass is gone. There's no mm. pulls not there anymore. And they you just need to break out of that somehow yeah and i think maybe there's something about in the recruitment industry not necessarily in the recruitment um industry but in, in the process itself of recruitment but in the recruitment industry because of how kind of people come to use a recruiter is you tend not to meet people who are very happy right <laughs> Um, so I think the tendency is to meet more people who are not in alignment, who are knowing that something is not right, but not quite sure mm. how to, how to find their way out of it. Right. And so I'm going to go to another company and that will be, and then everything will change for me. And, and it's interesting. Oh, probably 20 or 30% of the conversations I have with candidates, I will listen to what they want and what they where they want to go and at the end of the conversation i end up telling them stay where you're at if you don't have that lump in your stomach and you're going somewhere else for the same thing yeah. and and sometimes i have a wonderful word in japan gaman sometimes yeah. people just need to gaman through and they so how will, would you define find gaman what's your um, working have some patience be patient because things will change soon as well if, and as soon as they change then you might find out the boss you hate they don't like their job either and they're actually the ones that are going to leave and you're going to be their boss right yeah um 
it could be all kinds of things, but oftentimes if people just hang out and are patient a little bit, it'll shift. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's some stuff I'm uh, writing in the book about job crafting, like the importance Mm. of doing the task crafting and the relationship crafting and the cognitive crafting. And sometimes you can actually um, save um, that the relationship with this organization just by shifting some of those things. But you really have to do that internal work yourself going, what is it I want out of this and what do I want it to look like? And then find out ways to make it happen. Um, but I, I feel like there's quite a lot of, I know I'm not happy, but I don't know what I want it to look like. So even the best manager in the world can't really help you with that. And of course, you know, not, not even at work, like in a relationship as well. Like, I know I'm not happy in this relationship, but I don't quite know what I want it to look like. I can't express that then. Yeah. That's, I, I mean, we, we do coaching, right? Mm. And, and we come up against clients that, that they don't know what they want and, and we're we try to question and help them clarify a pathway but one of the things is it's like driving with in the fog and you mm. don't need to see the whole map yeah you only need to turn the lights on and see a little bit further and know that for right now that's fine and that the fog mm. will lift at some point and just keep going but Today, it might be only going a little bit further. And if you can see that, I think it, sometimes people get uh, stranded when asking why. Um, mm. And that's very popular. We need to have our whys. We need to have a, a big why and to be able to do something great. And I, I find that it's more a challenge to be who you need to be. Yeah, I'm more in who to instead of how to or why to. I think being a person and building character and building a persona is much more important than following steps or having a reason to do something. Tell me a bit more about that. Discuss. (laughs) Discuss. Um, Throughout history, it's been very popular to build up characters. We do Shakespeare. I mean, that's, we we read about characters And, and that's who we are and we build this up throughout time. Mm. And that's, that's more important to me. Like when I'm hiring someone, I'm looking at who, because I can train the skills. Yeah. I can change the what. And if I can excite them, I can give them the why. Mm. Um, but I need to have a who. And, and so I had a wonderful mentor who said, uh, who, who, you are, who you are to be, you are now being. You are to be, you are now being. Which is pretty mm. profound. You, know, you build this, this character in your mind and then you step into that persona. Mm. And, or, or you might say, we fake it until we make it. That's it. <laughs> yes. Let's get less philosophical. You fake it until you make it. You just kind of go and, and, and do that. Yeah. I think that's part of it. But I, I, someone also shared something, you know, like the things that you're spending time on now is the who you're going to become in five years. It was something it was also yeah. more nicely <laughs> worded than that. But that, uh, yeah, again, the idea of what you spend your time on is, like, you know, where your energy goes is what you do. So, so on that, you know, for you, I described you as this Renaissance man character, which I think is everyone's got to be happy with it. that. With, I know it's oh. just great, great uh, title. Um, so if you think about I'm going back to our discussion of cloaks from Henry V, where we were talking yeah. on Saturday. Brilliant. Um, were these different layers, interests, objects of Ikigai, um, when you gathered them together, was it intentional, intuitive, like, or just I'm going to go for a run or I quite like running, let's run some more? like how how did all like these different things because you weren't always a runner right you weren't a runner when i first met you i was a big fat guy yeah i was uh (laughs) very very overweight and and uh yeah and uh we decided that uh we were going sales people were healthy people the best sales people were healthy people so we went out and got healthy um i have as you've met Mm. on our shakespeare saturdays a very unique and wonderful mom who uh she does she did some wonderful detrimental things 
your parents should definitely screw up your kids. It's, it's wonderful. Um, but one of the key things growing up was that you should try a lot of things, mm -hmm. keep as many doors open and try a lot of stuff. It, it was never about you have to finish what you start. It was a matter of going and, and trying what and find what you like and then what you like will stay with you. Mm. Um, so going through life, like reading was something very early on that, that stuck with me. Writing very early on um, stuck with me. Uh, writing poetry from 14, 15 uh, stuck with me. Sports did not stick with me. I mean, <laughs> field day was plague day at my school. And, I, you know, they have those uh, baby shit green. Is this going to be edited? Maybe uh, puke uh, ribbons for good sportsmanship. That's the ones that I got on sports day. Oh, um, for showing up. Excellent. Yes, for showing up. I couldn't oh. even do the three-legged race or the kick sh shoe kick right. Oh, but... Um, it's behind you and stuff. <laughs> stays on your foot I, I fall on my backside but, but um i found out running um when i came to japan i loved running because i just could go out and the first time i went out running i went out for 15 minutes i i ran for five walked for five ran for five mm. came home i was white as a sheet collapsed on the floor i was all and but i absolutely loved it for some reason and kept on going at it and uh, met Simon Jelfs and he kind of mentored me into being a runner. But I, I found out that it didn't take athleticism. It took consistency and mm. um, kind of an, to real, a persistent consistency mm. to real and to realize that if I did that, I can be better than anybody else. I didn't need athletic talent. Right. It was all in my mind. It wasn't in my body. I can craft the body. And mm. that was very exciting. And that's had a huge impact on my life because I've now gained a lot of patience in just understanding if I do small things each day, that's that cumulative effect is way more powerful than just doing one big thing yeah. once in a while. It just doesn't, it's not going to materialize into much if I wait for something to happen, just do it all at once. Right. So this um, persistent consistency, it's quite hard to say, um, persistent consistency, I can't say the second time. Three times time. fast, we'll be able to do it with practice. Persistent consistency, persistent consistency, persistent consistency, I'm going to say it every day, and this then I'll be able to, to say it. The new podcast of elocution. Yes. I'm glad that my podcast is not called Persistent Consistency. I can't even say it. Anyway, Persistent Consistency uh, seems quite a pattern in many of the things in your life. So where else does it show up for you? Oh, I'm um, very regimented in morning routines. Mm -hmm. Hugely regimented. Tell me um, your morning routine. Oh, um, I wake squarely at five o'clock. I make do you jump out of bed and like have little um you know depends birds on, take the covers it, off you and stuff depends on how much wine I had the night before to be honest with you <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah um I'll slide out of bed at five I will go and uh prepare my green tea come into uh, uh, my office I will write for about 20 minutes um and so then just kind I of meditate. morning pages or do you have exactly. a writing prompt? Morning just pages. morning pages. So um, most of the time it's rambling, bambling stuff that needs to be burned. That's why writers burn notebooks, understand that. And but do you do that analog or do you do it digitally? Everything's analog. Right. Um, I've, I've used the same pen for 25 Persistently years. consistent. So with same, same, same fountain pen, right? Um, mm. I, um, it needs to be fast pins, very important. Um, but it's important for me to do it by hand. Mm. And, and I don't, I, I wish I read them or went back to its gibberish and I can't really read my handwriting. <laughs> quite honest, but occasionally bits where I get insights during the day or I get things that I need to be doing uh, and shifts that I need to make. Yeah. Um, after writing, I do 20 minutes meditation 
and then I go out for a run. Um, and that's kind of, that's very pretty regimented. Then I'll try and come in and I'll breakfast with uh, Tomoko before I settle into work the rest of the day. That's right. And so your morning routine is from like five till eight. Eight. Wow. So it's a good three hours in the. So I got three hours of my stuff. Yeah. yeah. But and I what time do you go to bed to get up at five? Before I try to, be, I want to be asleep before eleven. Hmm. Five to six hours. Great. I, I think the... having kids did that. I mean, having... <laughs> yeah, going to bed a lot earlier. It's well, certainly easier no, with COVID. Up early. Oh, getting up early. Hmm. Well, that was quiet type. Right yes. Before the kids need to go to school and yeah, all hell break loose. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely my my days have shifted, and now just yeah, land of the rising sun is getting into that season where I'm starting to wake up at half past four. It's coming soon. I'm like, I just need to start getting up at that time yep. instead of on the old Facebook and so on. Oh, you, you, yeah. I don't want to do that. And, no, and, don't want to do that. And if any of your listeners want to succeed, the one thing that they can do is break all snooze buttons. Snooze buttons are evil. They're the most evil thing that humans have created. Well, it's one of them. That and the atomic bomb. That and <laughs> snooze buttons. Probably the people that created the atomic bomb had snooze buttons. Wow. Because, because if you think about it, I mean... <laughs> It, you you set the alarm for five o'clock and you yeah. don't get up to five thirty and you're just hitting the snooze but you might as well just set it for five thirty decide to do something and do it and yes and have half an hour of decent sleep right an extra half an hour of decent sleep yeah. you get through I don't know if you can get through a REM cycle in that time but something and you don't feel guilty that you didn't get up at five you lose the guilt and yeah. it's, I think um yeah we we're thrown out of Eden and given a snooze button. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Awesome. Um, I had another question. I forgot why we talked about your um, morning routine. Uh, oh, yes, you did say one thing which intrigued me in your uh, pre-show notes, which I said, you know, what's been difficult about integrating your Ikigai? And you wrote doing laundry in hotels. <laughs> could, you, could you tell me about this answer? Or well, you you... just seeing if I was reading your notes? <laughs> if you're running a hundred and 100 kilometers a week and you go traveling and you need to somehow do your laundry. And so having a, a passion like running that wakes you up in the morning, that uh, that's a big one. You got to do your laundry somehow and some scrubbing it in the shower and squatting and trying to find out how to hang it up and wrenching it. And then it's still just not very clean. But uh, you, you know, they have like services in hotels that you could get someone to do that for you for next time yeah but i i mean i'm going to run again in the next day and it's sweaty and you know you want it back you don't need it ironed or pressed you just need it kind of clean I'm just gonna go out and stink it up again anyway so. that's true that's true so that's the the, the harsh reality of, of so you need to find yeah i need to find these things that make you feel icky icky uh that are also matching with your lifestyle yes. right to to have that have the resources there to <laughs> enable it. That's good or, to know. Or, or be genius enough to figure out how to, to get around it and do it. Yeah. Um, you've also talked a little bit, David, about like different um, mentors in your life. And one thing which is coming through from several of the interviews, and I'm having such a great time at the moment because I'm going back through all the transcripts and working with my editor, mm. um, which is amazing. And yeah, there's a lot of things about who's in your corner. No one's used the word mentor yet, but talked about like uh, sort of key people. Uh, so who, who are some of these people who've been for you? Um, who are the people who have helped you to do this integration of your Ikigai to change it from just being like, oh, I have this talent, but I'm actually going to use it. Cheerleaders or whoever. Um, I've had four very strong ones in my life. Um, we've already touched on my mom yes. I think that was uh, huge she would do things like um, I remember in fourth grade she came into my bedroom waking me up said David wake up do you want to go to school today or do you want to go see Fantasia oh, yeah. and I was like well 
let's go see Fantasia, of course. She said, you will learn more about life today going and seeing Fantasia than you will going to school. And so my mom was clever doing things like that. Mm. Um, I was also a, a rambunctious, obnoxious child and um, she needed to get rid of some of my energy. And so she put me in drama mm. and um, I was under a director whose name was Ben Sweet, no relation. And uh, Dr. it was a different Dr. Sweet. And um, for 10 years, he, he was a very strong leader in my life right. as far as teaching me acting, which all the skills that, that I teach for salespeople, mm. a lot of those come from him, right. uh, from that, that stage career. Um, in junior high school, um, Mr. Craig Bowman, who is on one of my podcasts, yes. on Barefoot Lunch podcast, um, he was very uh, fundamental in my life of literature and writing. Um, he introduced us to poetry and made us memorize poetry and stand up in the, the front of the class and recite T.S. Eliot and Shakespeare and Walt Whitman and Archibald MacLeish and the King James Bible. Oh, you're teaching the Bible in school. I mean, he'd get away with it. He just tried to do things like that. He, was, he would play um, Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven and the Moody poetry as well. He'd make us diagnoses. Um, he made us stand when an adult came into the classroom to show respect in public school. Uh, that just didn't happen in kind of a, in, in our neighborhood. Mm. Um, and then um, another early mentor was a, a gentleman named Bill Boast, who um, was a mentor for a very long time. My first experience to him was when my, when I went back to school, uh, when I went to school in kindergarten, my mm. mother went back to university. Right. And um, I was out of school one day and I had to go to college with her and went to the community college with her and uh, at the front of the class. Uh, he, I remember Bill Boast, he, he wore tweed and had this very stern face and beautiful mustache, this kind of Mark Twain mustache. And he's like, he can come into the class, but he needs to be quiet. And so, you know, she's like, you know, be quiet, sit here. And I was rambunctious and- How old were you, like that age? Five. Five, okay. Mm. She gave me my crayons and my, my coloring book. And uh, I didn't know if giraffes could swim at that time. So I was <laughs> happily drawing. And um, I remember him talking and listening to him. And he's, he said, who knows Winnie the Pooh? And I raised my hand. And I know my mom was just like, oh, oh no. But no one else raised their hand. And he said, uh, you know, he knows more than you kids. But that was my first... Uh, exposure to him and until I was well past university he was in my life very close um, mentoring me through uh, history and all through education he was fundamental in everything that I've learned mm. um, and believed a lot of stuff so and uh, yeah so that, that would be some my big tours yeah there's, there's an interesting um one or two of the questions in this Ikigai 9 uh, sort of tracking scale is talking about, you know, you, I feel like I have impact on other people or that, you know, what I do is affecting the world. And I think, um, you know, that's the, that's the role that uh, a mentor can have. Um, but how about for you? Where are the ways where you see that you are having impact and, you know, people need you is one of the other questions. I feel like people need me. That's a tough one, right? Um, that's just a really challenging question. Um, the reason I feel like that I'm needed and that there is impact, but that's not the why I do things. Mm. Um, I, I, I want to go and serve and, and yeah. be useful and help people. Now, 
and I keep on thinking the big picture when you're when you're dead will anybody remember you or will yes. that impact be there and like I don't know I don't it's not why I wake up in the morning it's yeah. not that imp, it's not that important that I've become like famous or important in someone's life mm. but it's important to me that like when I when I meet with a candidate or a client that I'm helpful yeah um or when I'm with my staff, I, I try to help and, and guide them as best as I can so that they don't need me. Mm. So I, that's... Yeah, I, I, thank you. I'm glad that you struggled with that question. It's a really difficult one mm. and interesting, but because um, it gives me an opportunity to say that you have had a huge impact in my life. And especially in uh, with the Shakespeare, like I've told you this already, but I'm glad to put it out here. Um, I think you've brought together like this wonderful group of humans doing something really interesting. It's brought me back to something I haven't looked at for years that used to bring me so much joy. And then just to be able to you know, basically I spout ill-informed nonsense every Saturday morning for 90 minutes with, with lovely people. There's no ego and it's just a really great time. Mm. And although I always complain like, oh, I hate the histories or these sonnets are rubbish, um, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's really become a very like integral part of like my routines. Mm. So, and I, I feel like all the other members, the active members would say the same thing. So I wonder if this, um, like, this idea of, of having impact, I wonder if maybe we often don't know it until someone tells us. Like, now, now you know you've had an impact, and that's not, maybe not why you've done it, but mm. now, you, now I've told you, you can go, oh, yeah, I've, like, I've had an impact on, like, people need me to show up for this thing. Because there was yeah, nothing to stop us from making a Shakespeare group for any of us on our own, but we didn't. Yeah, I, I mean, you have an impact in every morning that you show up and, and you give us uh, your insights and, and brilliance and, <laughs> and, and spout the nonsense, which just it is always very enlightening. Um, I think when you receive that kind of feedback, you, personally, I feel almost uncomfortable. Yeah, I thought oh, really? that. And, um, and I think that we're, we're taught almost uh, worry about our ego in that mm. way and it's like uh, I think if you did it for ego then it comes off poorly it's it yes. comes off like one of those infomercials that we, we just scroll through so quickly on Facebook right Where, and it just feels like that's ego instead of really someone trying to assist and, and guide yeah uh, and I'd love to have impact on people's lives in a positive way but I'm not and I'd love to have uh, Steve Jobs dent in the universe, but it's that's not my calling, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, you know, I also don't think that it needs to be like Steve Jobs level um, mm. as well. But, you know, the the one the particular ones in the Ikigai 9 I'm thinking about are, um, I feel I'm contributing to someone or society. I think that my existence is needed by something or someone. And I believe that I have impact on someone. These sort of three of the nine questions. I'd feel comfortable on those. Yes. <laughs> I, I, and I, I think having a, well, thankfully, I have a nice family. Having a wonderful family, I think that helps. Mm. Um, and it, that translates into work and then being able to bring that into work. But in some ways, I think the uh, the flip side of that is also important that you need to go into, say, the office and really look to serve people. Yeah. And it's not about making an impact, but helping other people be better mm. than they are and be who they need to be and, and to thrive. I think that's important. Yeah. And I feel like that's that just comes through. I know that the... Uh... The recruitment industry gets a pretty short shrift in many places, but I just think it's magic what happens in recruitment. Right? Yeah, These I think every I think every industry's got some <laughs> one or two bad uh, eggs that make the whole basket look pretty grim. But yeah. I, the people I know in recruitment are some very caring, 
well-spoken, intelligent people mm. um, throughout the world, not just in Japan. Yeah. Um, and, and there are some, you know, hard sales people too. I, but I, yeah. I, you'd find that in any industry. Yeah, exactly. But I, I feel like that, that, you know, making those connections, allowing people to, to meet that would never have met before, like it's such an impactful thing. And, you know, we're talking about Ikigai and for, for many people, like those waking hours that you spend, you know, paying for your mortgage and mm. like raising your family or whatever bills that you have to, to do or the lifestyle that you want to support, like some form of uh, economic labor exchange tends to happen and it takes up quite a lot of our lives. So for those of us who are not, you know, uh, independently wealthy, that, that if you can have that job being part of those things that makes you happy or where you're learning or where you're having impact or um, what Dr. Hasegawa calls it an individual's consciousness as a motive to live, which I love um, and feeling that, that my work is giving me some of that. It's just like such a gift. So I think being part of allowing that to happen, um, it's really special. One of my this. pet peeves is, um, is, is the terminology work-life balance. I hate the oh. term work-life balance. Yes. Um, because I think that's a misnomer. I think mm. you have life. Yes. So some of it you might be going to a job, you might be home, but it's all life. What are you doing with this life? I, I was um, reading about stoicism this morning. And the cousin of Gammon. <laughs> I don't, yes, I don't know that. What's it I don't like? know if it is. I've just, uh, no, we'll no. check. I, and of part Gammon. of it was this, this thought that we've brought from, you know, the Roman world is basically the Stoic idea that we save the best part of ourselves from after five o'clock, from the nine to five mentality. We come into work, we do our work, but our our stoic self is really the weekend warrior, the, the five where we get to be our true selves. And it's like, mm, I find that very dangerous. I just think that we need to be able to be our true selves at work as mm. well. And if not, then it's imperative to, again, going back to human humanity that you change it. Yeah. Um, whether where you're at and some people financially are not in a place that they can shift it, but can they find ways that it makes it bearable and their creativity is, is there and their, their, their talents are, are given at work. Yeah. Um, not hidden hmm. in there. Buried. Yes. Don't Back bury those talents. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's very true. And, and I think that, yeah, last time I checked, you know, my pulse was still going when I was at work. And um, it's just when you, when you work with people who are really having a great time, it's, it's amazing. It's, black. it's an amazing feeling. Like I remember some of those days at Wall Street, like it was just so much fun. And that's Wall Street Associates, not on Wall Street, by the way. <laughs> I was not a... Uh, it was a great name. It's a beautiful name for... Uh, yes doing cold calls which yeah. actually like wall street people. associates has a part in the creation of can giraffe swim really because the, my wall street associates cup is my water for my paintbrush cup that's how i use it <laughs> that's brilliant because i have couldn't throw it away no and so i've been using that one and my n world cup as well so there you go and i just remember oh there you go so it's uh who knew who knew all these parts of my life would come, come together in this mysterious way? So, David, we're nearly out of time. Great. But if you had a message, a call to arms, a rousing speech to give to the troops as they do Shakespearean soliloquy. My Caspian... Your stage, Crispian Day. Crispian Day uh, speech, Henry V there. Yeah, um, I'm going to say this and I'm not going to screw it up. Persistent consistency. How's that? Very nicely. I, I, did I get away with that? Did. I said it correctly. Yeah. Persistent yeah. consistency. Yeah. You, you did it. I did the first time. Uh, that's what I would say. Yeah. Because I think you just, yeah, you wake up in the morning and 
get on to what you need to do. And, and the world comes at you and you find ways to surf that world. It's, it reminds me of um, a wonderful analogy, white water rafting in a lot of times. Why would you want to go out white water rafting on calm water? No one wants to do that, mm. right? It, well, that's why you go out white water rafting, to have the white water. And uh, I think life, we feel like, oh, I'm being challenged or it's, it's too hard. Well, sure it is. That's life. That's the part of the joy of it. Mm. It's, it's white water rafting. That's white water rafting. Go so out and I... buy a tube. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And so if anyone wants to get in touch with you, where can they reach you? Uh, at drdavidsweet.com is probably the easiest one. YouTuber and in the show notes a, down below. Yeah, so I, I have YouTube channels and Facebook and Twitters and Instagrams and uh, and then you can find me at uh, Focus Core as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much, Renaissance Man, for sharing. Oh, thank you, your you tips. wonderful predecessor. Uh, you're no, I'm the predecessor. You're my successor successor you're my wonderful usurper because <laughs> you did the job so much better than i did that's what you I had was... created all the foundations so <laughs> i was there i was the henry v to your henry the fourth but hopefully less evil oh. definitely yeah hang on i want to be careful how far i go with this i'm <laughs> wondering who's richard the second yes mm. Anyway, so thank you everyone for listening. I hope you took a lot away from this, especially persistent consistency and uh, the importance of a three hour morning routine. But uh, even if you just start with three minutes, remember that the snooze button is uh, the pure sign of all evil. Um, and uh, yeah, just start, start little things um, and, and do them often and see what comes up for you and to make this there's no work-life balance. There's just a beautiful life that you can create for yourself. So thank you so much, David. It was an absolute you. pleasure. And I will see you um, in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you found something you could take away from the episode to help you find your own Ikigai and integrate it into your daily life. And I'd love to hear exactly what resonated with you. So pop over to see me on LinkedIn or on my Facebook page. You can find the links in the show notes below. And let me know what you thought was the most important takeaway from the podcast today. And sharing is caring. So feel free to share this episode with one of your friends who you think could benefit from hearing about living a life of purpose. Looking forward to see you on the next episode of Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai.